0: Just a disclaimer this morning. Steve and I did not coordinate except in the spirit. So I was just thrilled when you shared what you shared about darkness. Uh, turn in your Bible to John chapter 10. We're going to do a few verses in John and Ephesians and John back around there. This verse the last couple of weeks just kind of jumped out at me. So I just asked the Lord about some things about it. In John chapter 10 verse 7. So Jesus said to them again. See, they had needed to hear it more than once. See that? He said to them again, indicating he'd said it before. Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters through me, he will be saved, and I will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. He's stating his purpose for coming. He expressed it a lot of different ways, but one of the ways he says is, I came that they may have life. Now, What kind of life is it? Whose life is it? Well, in John chapter 3, and we know this verse by heart, verse 15 and 16, he says, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes will... Whoever believes will in him have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So we've, we've had a tendency to make eternal life <clears throat> confined to longevity. Eternal meaning we're going to live forever. But eternal life is a quality of life. It's more than just longevity. It is a quality of life. And in John chapter 3, verse 36, he says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath of God abides on him. But the kind of life he's talking about is God life. That's where eternal life comes from. Nothing else is eternal but God. And so if we have eternal life, that life comes from him. And he tells us that that life, that eternal life, is in his son. He says, I'm coming that you're going to have life abundantly. Now, the word abundantly is interesting. It infers what is above and over. Not just improved human life, but life that surpasses that, that's far superior to that. It is an eternal life. It is a God life. It uses super-added, superior, and advantageous. Indicates there's always more of this kind of life to be had. There's always more of this kind of life to be experienced. Because it's eternal life. It's God life. And we think we've got, and are experiencing all it is but there's so much more of him to be experienced. There's so much more of him to be realized, to be had. He said, I'm coming that you can have beyond what you think, beyond what you imagine, beyond what you experience, more of that kind of life. Now, here's the interesting thing about this. This life is the determining factor as to whether or not I am a child of God. That's the determining factor. In 1 John chapter 5, Steve kind of skirted around it this morning. In 1 John chapter 5, he tells us, and the testimony is this, that God has given us eternal life. He has given us God's life and this life is in his Son. He who has the Son has that life because that life is in the Son. He who has the Son has that life. He who does not have the Son does not have the life. This is the life that God is. It is the life that God deposited in his Son. It is the life that we receive As sons of God. It's not merely in principle. It is in actual possession. If we have, possess, live in the life of God, and if that life lives in us, which was in his son, and he lives in us, now we have that kind of life. That eternal life. John 3 verse 3 says, Unless a man be born again, he'll never see the kingdom of God. Something happens at that new birth. Life is imparted. That's indicative again that new birth indicates the transfer of life. When he said born again, that can also be translated from above, meaning that I have received life from above that I did not have before, and it made me a new creature because his life now resides in me see it's the life of the parent that is transferred to the child okay i am not my father's son because i believe at one time he existed i am not my father's son because i agree with him I am not my father's son because I acknowledge that I lived in his house and I raised him. I am my father's son because he imparted his life to me. We call that DNA. So that's how I know I have this father and I have this mother is because the life that was in them is imparted to me that makes me their son and daughter. The same is true in the spiritual realm. I am not God's son simply because I believe that he exists. I am not God's son because I simply agree with the things that he says. I am God's son because he has imparted his life in me, his DNA in me. That makes me his son. Not mental assent, not correct theology, not performing any kind of religious activity, but his life lives in me, He imparted that life to me, and that makes me his son. Okay, you with me so far? Now, I want you to notice the contrast in this, okay? Look within Ephesians, here we go, chapter 2, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 1. He gives us a contrast here to when you did not have that life and to when you did have that life. And I want you to notice the, the picture that he paints of what it's like to not have his life and then what it's like to have his life. Look what he says, verse 1, chapter 2. You were dead. That's a, that's a, a, a term that's relative to life, okay? I mean, death means something as life means something. And he says, you were dead in your trespasses and sins in which you formerly walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air, of the spirit that is now working in the sons of disobedience. Among them we too all formerly lived in the lust of our flesh, indulging the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as the rest. So being dead qualifies... As a child of wrath, not a child of God. Let's go on. But God. But God, being rich in his mercy, because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our transgressions, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you are saved. Here's the contrast. You were dead in your sins. You were dead in your transgressions. And God did something and made you alive to Christ. All right? Now look at another verse in Colossians chapter 2, verse 13. He says, when you were dead in your transgressions and the uncircumcision of your flesh, he made you alive together with him. Having forgiven us all our transgressions. Here again, he makes that distinction. You were dead, he made you alive. You were dead, he gave you his son, you received his son. Life was in his son, that made you alive. Now, I want you to notice, he didn't say you were sick and then got better. He didn't say you were just weak and got stronger. He didn't say we were uninformed and now we were informed. He says you were dead. You were dead. So the question becomes not when did I pray the sinner's prayer? The question becomes not when did you walk an aisle in a church? The question is not, when did you make a commitment in youth camp? The question is not, when did you promise to stop doing bad and start doing good? The question is, when were you quickened from death to life? Boy, when were you quickened from death to life? Now, Scripture has another contrast. In 1 Peter chapter 2, we're going to come back to that. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9 says this. But now, currently, at this present time, now you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you Out of darkness into this marvelous light. Here's another contrast. You were in darkness. He called you into light. Now look in Ephesians again, chapter 5. Verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of these the wrath of God comes upon the sons of disobedience. Therefore, do not be partakers of them. You were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. There's that contrast again. Look in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. For he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption the forgiveness of sins. Can you see the stark contrast that he points out when he talks about this experience with the Lord? The word darkness there indicates total darkness. It means the complete absence of light. There's not even a glimmer of light. There's not a sliver of light. It means that you're covered with a blanket or covered with a tin. With a tin. He didn't say... You were in the shadows, and you could see a little bit, but you couldn't see a lot. You were in complete darkness. Then all of a sudden, you were thrust into this marvelous light. It didn't have a dimmer switch. It wasn't gradually dimmed. You were transferred from this domain of darkness into this domain of light you didn't you weren't in darkness and had a little flashlight to see a little bit it was completely dark two things he contrasts life and light right both of these carry with with them an awareness it carries with them an awareness that did not exist at one point in time and then did exist. Death. You're dead. We use that term for a lot of different things. But he's saying here was a time that you were dead. And then here is a time that you were alive. Here is a time that you were in darkness. Now here is a time that you were in light. And both of them carry an awareness with it of what took place this awareness with the life and light that God talks about indicates there is an awareness that comes with it of the presence of God you're aware of God you're aware of his who he is and what he is now let me show you how do i know if i am alive in the natural okay how do i know if i how do i know i'm alive here's how I know I'm alive. I am aware of my surroundings. I'm aware of the light. I'm aware of the floor. I'm aware of the touch. All these senses are working. I'm aware of that. That's how I know I'm alive. And we even use phrases like, you know, whenever you go to sleep and you sleep really hard, what do we say? He's dead to the world. We don't really mean he's dead. We mean he has lost all awareness of what's going on around him. And whenever we die, we lose that sensitivity, that awareness to the realm that we're in because we're transferred into another realm. There's an awareness when the light and the life of God, when I encounter the light and the life of God, there becomes inherent within me an awareness of the presence of God. Just like in the natural, I am aware of my surroundings. I'm aware of certain stimulus. I'm aware of certain promptings. I'm aware of certain conversations. How do I know I'm alive in the spirit? Because now all of a sudden, there is an awareness of my surroundings with God's presence. There is aware of, my, of his stimulus in my life. I am aware of his promptings in my life. I am aware of conversations in life. To be alive to God's life and light is to be aware of his presence. In John chapter 1, verse 4, he says, referring to Jesus, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Both of those are inherent and present in Christ. And it brings us an awareness of who God is and what he's like. Granted, it's a long process and growing in that, but there's still that immediate awareness of who he is. i let me ask you something. Do you remember before you met the Lord? And you looked inside. Situations come up, or are you just sitting around pondering. You look inside. And all you can find is or your inadequacies. All you can find is guilt. I mean, this situation has forced you to look inside. What do I have to face this situation? What do I have to respond to this relationship? What do I have in me that's going to function in this world? And before Christ, I look inside and I find my inadequacies. I don't have enough to do this. I find shame. I find guilt, I find condemnation, I find insecurities, I find anger, I find resentment, I find hopelessness. I mean, if this is all I've got, I've got no hope. There's nothing to draw from. There's death, there's anxiety, there's condemnation in the middle of all these religious strivings. Now, I may have looked in there and said, it's not so bad. Here's the problem with that. That's not God's perspective. God's perspective is, we were dead. God's perspective is, we were in darkness. And all of those things that I mentioned are indicative of a heart that is dead or in darkness. This is all I got. I don't have anything to draw from. Well, remember meeting Christ and looking inside and all of a sudden finding the riches of Christ, his love, his mercy, his patience, his tenderness, his forgiveness, his acceptance, his peace, his light, his hope, his freedom. All of a sudden now, I am aware of all of this stuff that was not there before. And it's God's presence that he's revealing himself to me saying, this is what he's like. And that wasn't there before. Remember being transferred from darkness to light, from death to life, into the personal fullness of Christ and who he was. Remember that? I have no memory of that. If I have no memory of that ever taking place in my life, I need to wonder am I still in darkness? Am I still in life? I've I've done all the stuff, but that life and that light don't seem to be real and relevant to my heart. I'm trying my best to be a good Christian. But it seems like all I've got to draw on is more effort, more promises, more rededication. When I look inside, am I seeing that awareness of God's love for me and his care for me? Do you remember looking inside this week? Okay, just this week. You had this situation come up and you thought, oh man. I I need something. Remember looking inside and discovering the riches of Christ and God saying, I have what you need. I am what you need. I will provide for you. I will protect you. I will care for you. Remember that this week? No. That wasn't, that awareness wasn't there. If I've ever met Christ, it resides there. If I've ever met him, it's there. Now, let me explain something to you. I cannot kill the life of God inside of me. It's eternal life. That speaks for itself. I cannot kill the life of God inside of me. But i tell you what I can do. I can numb myself to his presence and his prompting. By focusing on externals and neglecting the inner man, I can't kill it. It's eternal. But I can give my attention and my focus and my heart. And this is the thing about Jesus, we may look at this later on. Jesus' focus was always internal, his gaze was external. Because he said, only do what the Father says. Well, where did the Father live? Father lived inside of him. Only say what the Father says. Where did the Father live? lived inside of him. Where did the Spirit live? And Jesus had lived inside of him. That was his focus. That was what he was zeroed in on. I'm not going to respond to this. I'm going to respond with this. But the minute we shift our focus from that inner man, from the presence of the Lord inside of me, and I consistently and continually give myself to the external things, it not only will prove disappointing, it will harden my sensitivity to be able to hear him. And it will make it more difficult. Here's what happens. When I look inside and I don't find anything, or whenever I lose the awareness of his presence in my life, the natural tendency is to justify my numbness by looking externally. Was well, your fault, Chuck? You made you made me mad. I lost my temper because of you. You didn't do what I wanted you to do. You made me. You did this. You did, or circumstances. Well, if the this, this people would just change, if they would just quit, if the circumstance would be different, if I could just we put all of our focus on the external. Not realizing, not only is making this my focus going to miss the point, it is going to numb me to being able to hear the awareness of God's presence inside of me. Because I'm just locked into this. I gave myself to the flesh, like Noah talked about this morning. People to blame, the sins of others, circumstances that can't be controlled, rules doctrine and and here here, one of the things that we do when we lose that awareness is we focus on the externals of our rules well i keep the rules well or our doctrine i still believe correctly there's no awareness of life in my heart but i still have the right theology the absence of life is not justified by correct theology or practice I mistakenly think that the problem, as well as a solution, lies in the outside. The light and life from God bring an awareness of God's presence. For any situation I face, his life and life inside of me, greater is he that is where? In me than he that is world Where? Where? where, where In the world. When he comes to live in me, he brings every resource necessary to deal with the world. But if I'm looking to the world for the resource, or if I'm looking to the world for the answer, I'm not going to find it. Without that awareness, all I have is personal resources and flesh to face life with becomes a focus outward, not necessary. And, and you think about it, it may not necessarily be overt, blatant sin. It can be good things. Going to church can be a good thing that I use to excuse the absence of life in my own heart. It doesn't have to be evil, wicked, bad things. It can be good things, but as long as it's external things and not being drawn from that life of God that lives inside of me. This is why it's so critical to make absolutely certain that at some point in my life, I have received the light and life of God in the person of His Son. Now, here's what I'm finding, here's what some of us have found in the last few months. We thought the place that we received light and life was at one place. But we've come to realize that never happens. That happened with me. I mean, I thought I received the light and life of God when I was eight years old. I just did what my cousin did. I just did what was expected of me. And I tried to keep the rules for 13 years is trying to do that stuff. But there came that point in my life where I experienced in reality the light and life of God and I became aware of his presence in me. It is critical. Paul wrote it this way. Make sure of your calling and election. Make sure that you know the Lord, that you've experienced his life and his light. And that's why it's so critical to develop that relationship with, with Christ from within. That I come to the place that I am weaned from having to have all of this stuff, this approval, the significance, this value, this worth, all things lined up, everybody doing what I want them to do. And I become more aware of his life in me that instead of coming out here and trying to get those things, I can bring those things. To people. I can bring freedom. I can bring acceptance. I can bring love. But it comes from in here. Me experiencing that in the Lord, that life and that light. And as it matures and it developed, this is why it's so critical that I learn to develop that relationship with Christ from the end. If that light and life are present inside of me, it will grow Into a mature experience of Christ. It will. It will grow just like an acorn will grow into an oak tree. It will grow into the expression of Christ. If I am the same person today with the same problems in my flesh of giving to my flesh. If I am that same person today, I need to be very concerned about whether I'm in life and light. Because the light and life of God in our heart grows into a mature expression of, of Christ. I watch some of us, it's kind of, please don't think me sadistic. I, I watch some of us struggling with things in our life that have held us for a long time and, and, and we're wanting to work through those And honestly, I'm thrilled at that. That says to me that God's life in you is being stretched. God's life in you is growing. God's life in you is expanding. And you're just, we all do this. We're just struggling with what that looks like and how that plays out in our life and in our personality. That's not a bad thing. That's a good thing that God's life is growing, is becoming mature inside of us. If I'm the same person I was a year ago, I have cause for concern. If we find ourselves numb to the presence of God, this is my first word to you. Stop. Stop. Just stop. Stop trying to do and be and become just Stop and change your focus from all of this out here to what's inside in here in the person of his son. Just stop. Be honest. Stop blaming. Stop casting dispersions on your circumstance and on people in your life. It's not their fault that you've lost the awareness of the presence of God. It's not your circumstance that has been brought to bear to cause me to lose the awareness of the presence of God. It's me replacing the outside when I should be focusing on the inside, his presence and his love. Ask him to search our heart. God, search my heart. Show me where I've put this on people. Show me where I've put this on circumstances. Show me where I've looked outside to find peace and hope and joy and all of these things instead of looking inside. Have I ever been transferred from darkness to light? Have I ever been transferred from death to life? Have I become numb to that awareness? Show me, Lord, where that's at. And let me just say this. Don't waste your time on calling him to come down and fix it. He lives right here. And he's going to fix it from the inside out. He's going to fix it in our heart to where I'm not as mad at people, where I can receive people, where I can accept people. Focus on the inner man to become aware in order to express Christ outwardly. Some of us, when we say, when we hear that phrase, express Christ outwardly, we're going, I'm going to try to be like Jesus. Listen, there is nothing phonier and cheaper than a cheap imitation of Jesus. You can't. What I can do is go inside, make my focus there, let him change me, and then what is expressed through me is him. It's not an imitation. It's not something I've done on my own. That's why it's so important to learn to develop that intimacy and that relationship in the secret place. Where is the secret place? Right here. What's in the secret place? Well, God said I'm in the secret place. That's where he's at. Developing that relationship with him. Psalms puts it this way. I love this verse. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. You desire truth in the innermost being. Be honest with yourself and say, oh, Lord, I, I, I've... Look for you in broken cisterns that can't hold water when you are the living water that wants to flow through me. Behold, you desire truth in the innermost being. And in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. In that hidden part, God will impart his perspective to me, which is wisdom. And in that hidden part, I will find That's not my problem out there. And it will impart that's not the solution out there. It will impart Christ in me is the answer to all of this and how to walk in that. Does this make any sense? Okay? Any questions?
1: Um, in my, it's not a question, in my quiet time yesterday. Um, yeah, you
0: were supposed to share that today, by the way. I was? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Are you first, like, so now share it.
1: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, we've been doing this, the study on idols, and um, it's overwhelming sometimes. And the Lord spoke to me in my quiet time. He said, anything you try to do other than knowing me. Knowing my truth is you trying to fix it. And I'm just so tired of trying to fix it. I'm so tired of trying to maintain it. I want real change. In my heart, I want real transformation. And I believe the Lord told me the only way I can do that is to know him. Know his character. Know the truth. And meditate on it. Day and night. And when we're going through those things where everything's falling uh, apart around you, you remember those truths and stand on that truth. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: That's where the real change comes.
0: That's exactly right. That's the picture. So you could have shared that and I wouldn't have had to preach. Anyone else? All right. Go in peace.